The Broken Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Spokane, presented by Delicious Hamburgers. Speak Spokane is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Spokane, and at their website, speakpodcasting.com. Speak Studio. Speak and and be be heard. heard. That one's really bold. The Broken Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Delicious Hamburgers. Bryce, why delicious? I, I hear you asking me that all the time. I since, do it a lot. Since 1998, this is why, Delicious has been providing Spokane's best burgers. Why? Because at Delicious, the burgers are never frozen. Why? Because it tastes better, Bryce. Uh, yeah, I, I understand. Uh, Delicious prides itself on fresh beef, fresh veggies, made-to-order fries, and with a variety of sauces, I can think of three offhand, all made in-house each day. You can trust that everything is meticulously handmade the same way it has been since 1998. So what are you waiting for? Well, you're waiting because you're a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Delicious is located at 1625 North Division Street. D-lovable, delightable, delectable, delicious. Hi. Hey. Welcome to the Broken Podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Chris. Uh, it's big changes for the show. I'd say so, man. It's been a while. We uh, It's been a while since we recorded, and we are in a really nice studio downtown. Yeah, we're at the Speak Studios downtown. Um, this place is super cool uh, and light years ahead of <laughs> what we were doing in the basement. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, don't want to waste too much time. We'll get right into it. Uh, I don't have a junior hockey report this week because I'm still reeling from a Vancouver victory last night. Their home opener. <sighs> or the, I'm sorry, their opening the opening night game. Uh, are wait 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 are are the Chiefs coming back? Or? I don't know, man. I, I the last the last email I got was like the hockey's coming back. And there was radio silence after that, so I don't uh. know. Uh, but Kyler Yamamoto, there I guess there is one junior hockey point. Uh, Spokane native, former Spokane chief, scored the first goal of the season last night against Vancouver. Can't be mad at the kids from Spokane. There you go. Uh, and he's he's three feet tall. I could take him for sure. Uh, so with that, um, would you like to introduce our guest? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, you know, uh, so I don't know. Should we talk about the topic we're going to cover first and then the guest? Sure. Or? Yeah, let's do that real quick. Let's yeah, yeah. open that up. And- so... Uh, I- one of you know one of the things we try to do on Broken Podcast is um, try to address those gigantic invisible elephants um, inside of the church uh, the the things that are on everybody's tongue on the tip of everyone's tongue but no one wants to talk about so this week um, you know one of the big four letter words within the church is uh, homosexuality right right like it's that's that's gigantic and 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 I want to expand it just a little bit further because I think it plays I think it works like sexual repression and homosexuality within the church I think it it goes hand in hand because it's again it's a taboo subject you Absolutely. know what I'm saying so yeah. Um, anyways, uh, no further delay. I want to introduce Jennifer Burroughs. Um, she is with Wonderfully Made, um, a local organization here, a nonprofit. And um, I want uh, Jennifer. Are you there? 
I'm here. Hello. Yes. Thank you for having me. Uh, that's not how I would have done it. I wouldn't have said anything for like three seconds at least. Like, oh, Keep the suspense going, right? right. So um, tell us a, a little bit more about Wonderfully Made. Like uh, I know it's fantastic organization, but uh, tell our listeners about it. Well, thank you. So I guess we'll just go to kind of our origin story. So yeah. we... Um, our oldest son came out to us about seven years ago and coming from an extremely, uh, I don't want to use the word conservative. Let's just say literal interpretation of the Bible. That's how I was raised. Right. Um, most of my life and just all the narrative that I knew uh, surrounding, you know, these topics of, of um, our LGBTQ community, it was something that was just not okay in God's eyes. And um, of course we loved our son. We didn't make him leave, but the message was he needed to change. And we were just so gripped with fear. Um, And so essentially what happened was, I'm fast forwarding because there's a lot to that story, but um, I, I guess was brave enough to start seeking some other voices because I knew what our church was telling us. I knew the information that we were given and it was actually our son that said, mom, I want you to read this, this blog, if you would. And it's called just because he breathes. And it's the story that Linda Robertson wrote about uh, her son. He came out at around the age of 13, went to conversion therapy, um, had changed and, you know, had this experience of change, but ultimately it led to depression, drug addiction, and an accidental overdose, and they lost him. Mm, So Linda Robertson has become quite the advocate, and just sharing her story really caught national attention. But I guess when I read her story, I realized, oh my God, this is like, this is dangerous on so many levels, even mental health. It's like there's some really bad things that can come from not really listening to what your child is trying to tell you and to force a theology down their throat. Right. So Linda led to reading and, and just, um, I guess seeking other, you know, information from other Christians out there that, you know, are gay that have been on the journey. And I just realized there was a very different reality. So of course that, um, plunged me into months of research because I still had to reconcile my faith with what I was seeing with our son and, and what our reality was and, and kind of the similar narrative that I was I was reading about. So can I can I, I interrupt one second, Jennifer? Sure, like, sure. Um, so during this process, when your son is coming out to you and you know he is uh, sharing his heart and uh, exposing himself to you know, uh, you guys in a very vulnerable state, like what is, I mean, are you sharing that with your church as well during that process or are you guys keeping it to yourself and just staying within the family or? No, we, um, I mean, I'll just tell you my, my reaction was complete devastation. I called into work the next day, didn't tell them why, but just said that we had a little family emergency I had to deal with. And I literally was home for four days crying because it's like, because what we had been taught was faulty parenting. Of course, you know, Satan's always involved because Satan and sin go hand in hand, but 
faulty parenting was a huge component to that. And so the guilt set in, it's like, what did we do as parents that caused so you're, you're blaming You're blaming yourself for it, essentially. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Um, so we did actually call our pastor and we scheduled an appointment to go in. My husband and I, we went in and, and spoke with him and he was very, very clear that um, our son needed to change. This was sinful behavior. It was not accepted by God. Um, and that that change, we might not see that change in our lifetime, but to not give up hope that at some point it would happen. But I was just left with so much fear. I mean, literally every time our son would get in the car and go somewhere, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what if he's in a car accident or something happens and he dies and and he's not right with God. He's not right with Jesus. We'll never see him again. Right. So for me, it was, I for both my husband and I, there was just this fear of, you know, we've got our son now, but what is our eternal story with him? And, he won't be there if things don't change. And when you say change, I mean, how, uh, I mean, uh, with Linda Robertson, obviously uh, she took Ryan to um, conversion therapy. Like what, it, what change does the pastor recommend? Like how do, how does he change? Well, I think what his point of view was, there could be change at some point, but this idea of celibacy was very important. That if he were ever to live out, you know, what he called a homosexual lifestyle, um, that that would be wrong. And we tried, okay, so I essentially had, we sat down with our pastor maybe twice. And the second time, this was by the time we had read Justin Lee's book, Torn. And we just had a lot of questions. So we actually bought a copy for our pastor to read it. <laughs> and, uh, hey, he, hey man, he, <laughs> you should check this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tried. Right. And we had, we had legitimate questions. But um, that was two meetings with him. And I think the third one, these were spaced out. I mean, I certainly wasn't harassing him, but it's like, we were really struggling because we didn't know what to do. Sure. And so the third meeting I went in by myself and I was basically told not to beat a dead horse. Oh, Ouch. and I had the third meeting was because our son was going through a very severe depression and it's like, okay, we're doing what's expected of us. And it was never, um, we always told him that we loved him and God loved him. I mean, that was never, never even a, a second thought in our minds, whether or not we loved our, our son or God did. Right. But of course, this, you know, you have to change. It's a sin. And so, you know, you have to work through this sin. And I told, I told our pastors, like, it's, it's not going well. It's like, he's really falling into a really deep depression. And I'm really concerned. So his response was that he had taken his eyes off of Jesus and that was a problem. He had allowed pride and ego and he was focused on himself. All that was getting in the way and that was causing his depression. And, and you, you say that you and your husband like never um, stopped loving him. And that's awesome. That's amazing. Like you, but you, I'm sure you've heard story after story of the opposite, right? And of like oh, yeah. parents just uh, disowning their kids, right? Yeah. I, I can't wrap my head around that. That's crazy. It's, I can imagine 
the pain. I mean, that was just never, never an option. I even, at one point when he did um, meet someone and he, he had a boyfriend and he came to the house and, and we had him over. He'd come over for dinner. He was part of our family. And I remember somebody um, that I know has said, you're letting him come over. And I said, of course I am. <laughs> like you're enabling him. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, we're called to love. That's true. I never even thought of <laughs> yeah, that. Neither. I never yeah. thought of it like in that context. Like, how <laughs> dare you? No, absolutely, Jennifer. We're called to love. That's it. Like, I mean, that's, uh, we love God and we love others. And that, you know, that's it. Yeah. So. so I'm sorry, go oh, ahead. Oh, no, no, no. You can't keep going. Uh, yeah. Keep going with the story. I'm, I'm hooked. Oh, yeah. So I guess that was our meeting with the pastor, stop beating the dead horse. And, and then in the meantime, the youth pastor had finally reached out to our son. And I was like, oh, thankfully, you know, he's got somebody that can help guide him. And um, I sat with him during that meeting. He kind of caught him off guard on a Sunday and he went in his office and it started out okay. And then it just really, really deteriorated. And I was, I was in a state of shock. I, I probably should have said something. But I was like, okay, this is going to get better, right? It's like, am I hearing what I'm hearing? But it went really fast from um, this is how God designed a man and a woman. This is God's intention for marriage, sexuality, you know, all of that to if you get in a relationship with somebody, you will no longer work at the coffee bar. You will not have privileges here at the church. It was just like. I, I I think we were both in a state of shock. Wow. And I look back and I remember our son, he was speechless all the way home and he just laid despondent on the living room sofa for the rest of the day. And I was just like, what just happened? And it was, it was really, really traumatic. And I can't even imagine how traumatic it was for our son. But I remember that night, I remember sitting down next to him. How old was he at the time, him. Jennifer? Um, at the time he was 18. Okay. I'm not, I'm not like excusing the, the behavior. I'm, I'm, I was just hoping that he wasn't like 15, you know, right. Right. 14 or 15 or something. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I just remember, you know, my husband and I, we sat down next to him. I remember hugging him and I just said, Michael, I said, we love you so much. And I'll never forget. He looks at me and he says, how can you possibly love me if I am such an abomination? What's the the most damaging part of that to me was that it was uh, the church that put that idea in his head, not you. Absolutely. You mm-hmm. know, and it, it wasn't something that he came up with on his own. No. It was and something that was we, hand delivered to him by people right. that he, I'm sure, trusted at that point in his life. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, our part in that was that we we went along, you know, with this idea of change, but we just did not understand because I, I think that even the, the information that our pastor gave us, the organizations that they came from, it's just, it's not, it's not fair how it's talked about. It's very one-sided. It's... Um, they really, these organizations that put out this type of information really do a disservice to pastors and other people in the community because it is not, it is not the full story. Sure. It's very, very partial. It's very damaging information. And 
I think as a Christian, you know, if that's your church, you, you trust that, you trust your pastor, you trust the information, you trust it's a Christian organization. But that's where I would say as parents, um, really take a step back because you know your child, you know your family, and if it looks like something is really harming your child, it, to me that, that's not of God. God, God's spirit and love, it produces good fruits. It doesn't cause somebody to reach that point of hating themselves so right. much that they need to end their life. <laughs> right, which is, absolutely. Which is a reality. It's Suicide very is a reality for yeah, this group. Absolutely. And what were you, do you mind me asking, what were you guys seeking from your church? Were you seeking affirmation? Were you thinking, were you seeking like, he's going to be all right? Or, or were you hoping that maybe he would change? And like you said, I mean, you're worried for his salvation, right? I mean. Right. Well, I think what we were hoping for was definitely support because this was new territory to us. Mm. Um, Definitely support and then someone to come alongside our son and, and help him. And we were ultimately, as we were hoping for, was change because I had been presented with all these stories of change. And I believe, I, I don't think they're, they're not around anymore, but I think at the time, I think Exodus International was a pretty big organization. And um, that ended up falling apart, but um, they were really big on this idea of, of change that it's possible with the right type of therapy with, um, you know, God's help and prayer. And they had all these stories of people that had changed But in all reality. There's actually a lot of stories now of people that said they had changed that had not. <laughs> so. What do I got to do to get out of this program? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if that's it, then I'm going to kiss that girl and then I'm going to leave. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Kim, um, kind of fast forward to um, how wonderfully made came about and just kind of tell us what the organization is and how, how yeah, it got there. So I think um, just with, I mean, we had to process a lot. There was a lot of, I would say just deconstruction, reconstruction mm. for us um, just in terms of our faith in God and, just conversations I had with people, I just realized that we were, I would say, victimized by what I call a distorted theology, and Absolutely. we're not the only ones. Absolutely. There are many that are. Yeah. And I just had this level of frustration that we have this son who is an amazing human being. He's incredibly kind, gifted, wonderful, and he has to have this, and not just him, but this entire community that's loud that follows them, and it's it's again, distorted theology. And so I just got to thinking about how our lives were changed by people that were, were brave enough to tell their stories and to really, you know, talk about this. Um, and so I decided that I kind of wanted my two heroes for, um, uh, I guess three heroes, Robin, Linda Robertson and Justin Lee. I thought it would be really cool if we could bring them to Spokane and have them speak and invite the community because it's such a, it's a really, really needed conversation. And I think more churches are starting to have them and are starting to, to realize that, you know, the, the positioning has been very damaging and detrimental for quite some time, but um, it's, it's difficult. So I just thought, well, if we can bring, bring these people in, invite the community. And so at the time I was um, attending a church and had brought it to the board and, and um, you know, they all decided it was a, a great 
great idea. And so that idea led to me reaching out to some other people in the community that also have a heart for this. And then it was kind of like, okay, if we're going to have this event, maybe we should form a nonprofit. So it just like evolved. <laughs> it is still evolving. Sure. So, um, yeah, we held our, our first, our event. It was last, um, not last fall. I'm sorry with, with COVID and everything else, time is just really starting to blend, but it was yeah, 2019. Right. We had an event at the Bing and it was just phenomenal. Um, we had, people that were so encouraged and even people that are very, very supportive of the LGBTQ community, just after hearing, hearing them share, realize we have to be even more intentional than we are about supporting um, this community. So that was great. And it opened up a lot of conversation. And, and then of course COVID hit. So we had to kind of, we had some things in the works and had to redefine how we're going to continue to share our message yeah, it's rough. The current current situation for stuff like that, especially when you're trying to do something that's uh, very group oriented, yeah. uh, is less than great right now. What um what would you like? What does the uh, what does the organization do as far as like uh like is, is it outreach or like what's the what's the main focus of Wonderfully Made? So our main focus right now uh, with our current capacity is. We're in the middle of trying to create, um, we'll be creating some resource pages on our website, but it's basically, I would say, storytelling mm. to um, really ignite conversations in our community because there's a lot of people that they just, they don't know. Mm. And so we're actually in the middle of putting together a documentary um, where we have several stories of people, the LGBTQ community families. We have a pastor, also a mental health therapist. So we're not exactly sure when that is going to be released, but we've been working on that. And it's a really, really powerful collection of stories. And so that's kind of our platform right now, because I feel like I just know for me, obviously, you know, we had the situation with our son, but then when I started hearing other people's stories, and connecting with them and I realized it's not just our son that is being deceived you know because then you hear that in the Christian community it's like oh be, be careful you know Satan is deceiving you and he can be disguised as an angel of light and so I didn't really li I, I heard what our son had to say but I wasn't listening to him because of all that programming it's right. like well this isn't this isn't of God and right. so but Having that connection to other people's stories, I think, gave it a completely, gave me a completely different perspective. And it made the reality of the damage and the harm um, something that I couldn't ignore because it's like, okay, this is real. And so I feel, we feel as an organization that it's important to share stories because we all have a different story, but somebody's going to resonate with something that you say or an experience that you had. And I think that's what brings the humanity of this entire, um, I don't want to call it issue, but of this entire community, that's, that's what brings it to life is to, is to hear the stories, to see the stories. And sure. so we feel like for now, that's how we're going to be, um, you know, engaging the community as much as we can to help support. And there's a lot of people involved that are in the that are involved in the life of an LGBTQ person. There's, I mean, there's parents, there's siblings, siblings, there's friends, teachers, um, pastors, coworkers, neighbors, all kinds of people. And so to just hone in on one specific audience is a little bit difficult. So we're just, 
trying to gather as many stories as we can and share. Broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, that's good. So, Going to throw the seeds out there, and we'll see where they land. So <laughs> awesome. So I guess um, a question, like uh, going back to kind of the um, you know the four letter word within the church is sex, and like I grew up. Um, within my church, I mean, sexual repression is a is a gigantic thing, and you come to this building and you pretend that nobody struggles with um, anything, you know, no problems, you know what I'm saying? Um, so uh, this is uh, this is to either Jennifer or Bryce, like, but why is the topic of um, sexual identity, um, especially when kids are coming up, you know, where a lot of these, like you deal with a lot of families, Jennifer, like, like going through the adolescent phase and uh, pretending it's not there or, you know, have the, the love weight series, you know what I'm saying? And, right. and you just say abstinence, abstinence, abstinence. Like, is there a actual healthy conversation? Is there a way to actually address, um, the amount of images and the amount of content that our kids get hit with that, you know, adults get hit with on a daily basis. Like, what do we do with that information? How can we have that healthy talk within the church without fear of judgment, without fear of exile? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I think, I mean, I think what's coming up in my mind as you're saying this is that we just need to have them because, I think there is so much fear that it holds us back and we never do. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, there are topics that are uncomfortable, Absolutely. but you're never going to get past that discover or that fear unless you just actually jump in and do it. Right. And, um, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, if it's uncomfortable, it's okay. I mean, it's certainly not this whole entire topic. It's, it's not um, unique. I mean, it's, we're sexual beings. God created us that way. And so I think it's important to be honest about that in the church as well. But for so long, it's been such a, you know, a Puritan type attitude. Um, So yeah, it's the only way you're going to change is is jump in and start talking about it, I guess. Right. Yeah. First step stuff. There's no, it's not, it's not a pretty conversation. It's not an easy conversation. It's, uh, because it's something that's, you know, supposed to happen behind closed doors and, you know, be shared with the confines of marriage, stuff like that. But even, uh, even things within the confines of marriage, like even, like that's even the marriage thinking. bed is exactly. challenged, like as far Absolutely. as like, sexuality and church. And yeah. it's just like, Oh, mm, yeah, we don't really, you know, they'll, you know, every, uh, it's, we were talking about it a while ago. Like there's uh, January 5th, you know, like first Sunday of January. That's the visions, right. you know, tax time comes up. Well, it's the time for the tithe talk, sure. you know, and there's always, there's always like the, um, like Valentine's day. Yeah. Like yeah. there's always like the, you know, how to love your wife or yeah, the, yeah. uh, what is it? The, um, the love languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's always like yeah. the, oh, there's twelve. There's twelve uh, different words for love in the Greek alphabet. Yeah. And we're gonna check them all out, and then we get to eros, and then it's like, oh well, yeah, we're gonna. There's some you know some fairly salacious stuff in the song the of songs, and, and yeah, away, yeah, yeah, like uh, you know, make sure the kids are you know gone or whatever. But even that, like even that's like crazy awkward like it's always like super awkward it is super awkward (laughs) it It danced around man it's danced around but you know like just as you know 
every single person in that entire building I know has struggled with sex in some way. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like either pornography or whatever. And it's always, you know, brushed under the rug. And especially, I can't even imagine if a pastor came out, especially from the pulpit and said, man, I struggle with lust or whatever. I've been cheating on. Right. You know what I'm saying? I fill in the blank. Fired. Like, like immediately fired. That's the fastest way out of a Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm just wondering what it would actually look like within the church if it was, um, if we were able to actually have that healthy conversation within, you know, any context and say, Hey dude, I struggle with, you know, porn, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and without, and fear of judgment without fear of ridicule or exile from the church, like maybe it would create an environment where it would be okay for you to say, dude, I struggle with the same thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and instead of, um, I think what we see, especially, um, you probably see it, Jennifer as well. Like so many, especially adolescent kids coming up, um, they don't know what to do. You know what I'm saying? They really wrestle with all these. Here you have this church that they go to, this building, and this group of people that they trust. And especially if a kid comes out as, uh, you know, gay or LGBTQ, any, anything there, like, I'm sure immediately they're met with um, judgment or ridicule or exile or shame. And, and I mean... Uh, how long has guilt and shame like gone along with sex? Absolutely. The topic of sex. and It's baked uh, into the cake. Within the church, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But, right. Well, and just the fact that we don't talk about it, I think instills that shame even even more de- on a deeper level. Right. right. Because if we don't talk about it, it'll just go away. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how I live my life. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> ignore everything. It's fine. Yeah, that always works. Man. Right. And and I think that's got that's a good point. That that's gotten us to where we are today. That we can't, you know, we have to be able to uh, sweep it under the rug and hush hush. You know, like you said, Bryce. Like even married couples, even the con- inside of the confines of the bedroom, like you know, like we struggle with it. You know, and and just saying, like my wife and I, and like, what do you do? What do you do? Like, uh, you know. We, we just want to be able to get to that place where we can at least have that healthy conversation. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it, uh, like you were saying, it's, it is, I've had those awkward moments within the church, like where the pastor is talking about it. And it's like, I don't know if that's where it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's within groups or small groups, or I have no idea the format, but I just know that something has to change as far as that goes. Something has to give because right. we see so often the damage that it caused from just brushing it under the rug. You right. know what I'm saying? Like you were, uh, you touched on, you know, uh, you know, judgmental, you know, judgment type attitudes about it. Uh, if you're looking at it, like the context of men's groups, like I've been to, you know, however many, churches and wherever we've lived and whatever. And that's always, you know, you get plugged into a men's group and do that thing. And there's always some sort of contingent involved with, you know, like sexuality. Yeah. 
the thing that always blows me away is when somebody does admit that they struggle with it, that they are met with judgment by other dudes who have the exact same problem. Right. Absolutely. So to, you know, to fire that off, even like, and that's like in the, like in the context of the men's group specifically, it's hetero, it's, you know, whatever. There's, there's nothing like weird about, uh, you know, the sexuality or the, the attitude towards it, but they make it weird. Right. And it becomes this, uh, it's like, well, I don't have that problem. Yes, you do. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I'm speaking clearly as the male of the species here. I don't know. I, I'm not going to pretend to know what anybody else's struggle is. But the root of it, it's all the same for all of us. Exactly. I don't care who you are. Uh, you know, I'm you know, the Pope, man. If You know, everybody, every right. every human male has had some sort of struggle with it. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the thing that always blew me away is the, is the judgmental attitude inside of the church, especially in, you know, uh, you know, like smaller groups and stuff like that and just getting nailed to the wall for it. Absolutely. You know, I struggle with vice. Everybody struggles with some kind of vice, but when you're trying well, to think- bear your soul, <laughs> like, nope, don't do that. Okay. Well, and that's the unfortunate thing is that church should actually be a safe haven for people. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's not. That's, and not. that's a very radical idea. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to steal something from, um, something that a pastor said, but he was saying that the way most religions are set up, it's all, you know, and it's not something that's just in our, in our time, but this is, you know, even going generations back there's a God, there's a higher power, the religious structure is to appease this God, right? And so in some of, you know, what's involved in appeasing God is pointing the finger at someone else because now I'm better than you. Right, yeah. And that's not what it's supposed to be about. Jesus was about healing, was about bringing people together, was about vulnerability. Jesus was about all those. If you look at him, but unfortunately, and I know this may sound strong, but many of the churches today are, are really not reflecting the attitude of Jesus. No. It's and, a system of hierarchy, of I'm better than you, of shame, and that's not healthy. Don't be like that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and everybody here, we've all got it figured out. You're the weird one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like. If you come out and say, oh, man, I'm struggling with this, like, ooh, what? That's (laughs) crazy. No one else is. That's weird. (laughs) And, you know, Bryce is going to throw something at me. But, again, I'm going to go back to John chapter 8 with the adulterous woman. You know what I'm saying? I'm with it, though. It's okay. We need, like, a sound effect then. But... Uh, we, <laughs> Matt, can you put the ringing horn in there? Like, ab- yes, absolutely. Um, but we're talking about adulterous woman. Uh, this is a sexual sin. This is uh, this is something that is frowned upon. That is talked about. Yeah, that this is, is glaring context this week, though. Like putting it on. Absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. Sure. It fits. It plays. Yeah. Uh, so here you have against the law, against the Jewish law, adultery, and someone caught in it. And here you have the religious leaders coming at her, picking up stones, which, side note, I think we still do. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Uh, you Absolutely. know, it's like uh, not not obviously in physical, but um, verbally at least, or shame. But So they're picking up the stones. and <laughs> I did it in traffic on the way here. <laughs> and getting ready to throw at her. And here you see a model of Jesus who easily could have picked up the stone and killed her. And by law, he would have been allowed to. He would have been right to do so. 
but instead showed mercy and grace and love to her and, and just said, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. That's it. And uh, like that mere act of love of someone coming out in the church, like, and when I say coming out, I'm just saying like, Hey dude, I struggle with X, Y, and Z. I'm, I, you know, I have these thoughts. They won't go away, blah, blah, blah. And instead we are met with that group ready to pick up those stones and like right. pitchforks. Why dude? Why? Let me ask you that. What, what have, where does that come from? Where did uh, we create that? It's convenient, man. Uh, it, it, it's convenient. Somebody like, uh, somebody that's open and honest and brave enough to admit it. You get to be the scapegoat now. Yeah. And so, yeah, they sharpen their pitchforks and they go after the person because it's like, well, at least it's not me. Right. You know, and it's like they they turn what they they I you know I can only imagine that those people are feeling some sort of righteous indignation because they're not gay. That's it, or exactly. Whatever, you know, but then they go home and and you know do whatever. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. fill in the blank. Yeah. Like like I mean, and Jesus is very clear when he's talking about uh, the, the speck in your neighbor's eye and the log in your own. You know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, Jennifer, when we were talking on the phone um, a few weeks ago, like we were, uh, we were uh, talking about this topic, and I, um, I got to a point, and I, I think you asked me like where I stand on it, and then I, I think I believe I answered you something along the lines of what does it matter where I stand, like I, and and that should be the stance of anybody, that uh, that should be the stance of the church, that should be the stance of every single pastor, is that you. Bryce or Jennifer or whoever out there are, is not going to stand before me at judgment. Do you know what I'm saying? That it does not matter how I feel about anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. not your judge. Yeah. Like I am commanded to love you and that's it. Period. I'm commanded to love God and to love you and that's it. And your own walk is your own. Your own relationship with God is your own. You know what I'm saying? I am going to come alongside you as a brother or sister and just love you. You know what I'm saying? And you can share your heart with me and I'll share mine with you. And I, and I think that's what we're seeing um, missing is the vulnerability and, and, and the ability to be able to say, you know what? I'm not your judge. Um, I'm, right. I'm struggling with a lot of jacked upness as well. You know what I'm saying? A lot of brokenness and the vulnerability thing too is, um, stands in direct opposition to gun toting, you know, big swole American Jesus too. Like, no, 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 you don't, sure. you do not, uh, you don't let anybody in. You don't, uh, you don't, uh, let anybody out either. You know, uh, you don't, um, admit any kind of defeat or weakness or anything like that. Sure. You know, why? Well, because it's American resolve. I think a big part of it is American resolve. I understand that there are like LGBT people in every country on the planet, but like dealing specifically for the American experience, it's not something we do. Right. Do not admit any sort of weakness, vulnerability, or defeat. Um, coming out to your congregation. Holy cow. You know, like that's, that's rough. You've given up, you've given into sin, if you will, you know, same thing, but like you're yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. meanwhile, yeah, yeah. the guy's like, oh, faggot is at home, uh, you know, 
in the bathroom alone, right. away from everybody, like right. addicted to pornography. Right. Or, uh, you know, infidelis or however you want to chalk yeah. that up. Fill yeah, in the know. blanks. It's just so much easier and uh, to be able to um, look at someone else's sin. And especially, I've thought of this so many times, like, especially members within the LGBTQ community, like, it's very outward what they have going on. You know what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. everybody else within the church is really, really good at hiding stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so especially when a member of the LGBT community like comes out and says, you know, I'm wrestling with these feelings. What do I do with them? It's very apparent but you can't see what's going on in my heart. So I'll cover that up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> and I don't know what to do with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Bryce and I, Jennifer, Bryce and I always talk about like, what would a broken church look like <laughs> where we were able to be vulnerable with each other and every single person was accepted exactly how they are. Um, because all we are do- all we are called to do is love each other, and that's it. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly like uh, Jesus stepping in between um, the religious leaders. Exactly that type of thing that I will happily stand in, in before you if uh, if someone's picking up stones against you. Does that make sense? Makes yeah, sense no, absolutely. I think part of what has to happen too, like though, within the context of um, you know, LGBTQ is, and this is what happens is that, you know, I've talked to the Christians and the response is, but I do love them. It's just that it <laughs> is sinful. That's why I'm it's telling sinful. them they're going to burn so, out. Yeah. And yeah. so they still oh, have man, this attitude that, that it's too. sinful. So I think that the issue yeah. is, especially with this, with, and a lot of things, but especially this, it's like, it's really important to get to the point that you're going to look into it. You're going to look at the theology, the translation, all of that. Do your research, because if you do do your research, I think that people will find that the Bible is saying something very different. Mm -hmm. And it took me many months to come to this conclusion. But I realized that the way the scriptures are portrayed and even the translation is not accurate. In fact, there's a documentary that's going to be coming out that's called 1946, how the word homosexual yeah, wasn't put I've, into the Bible until the year 1946. I've heard about this. Yeah, and the translation isn't correct. So I see, I mean, I still, just because I went through so many phases of my understanding, I'm, I'm not going to say that somebody, because I do have Christian friends that are, are genuine, they love our son, but it's like, no, you know, we don't, we don't agree. That's not right. And I get that, but they haven't gone to the next phase of really delving in into it and researching it. They're still going with what they've been taught. Sure. Right. And I think at the end of the day, we are all responsible to God. So I might go to a church. I might have a pastor. I might have a theology I've, I've known my entire life. But ultimately, it's up to me to look into that Absolutely. and to find, I would say, truth. Absolutely. And, you know, I know we say, okay, truth. What is truth? We all have a version of it. Truth is something that's righteous, and I think it is born out of love and also produces love and good fruit. That's how I see truth as being. 
Absolutely. It no, can't just be yeah. a distorted perception or reality that I have that benefits me and my psyche, but then is hurting someone else. That's not true. No. Right. Yeah. Anything that's, uh, Chris and I talk about a lot, uh, operating from a place of, of fear and of hate and how it gets nowhere, but then how that is something that's attached to per- people's truth. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Westboro Baptist church, man. I know that's a low hanging fruit, but, uh, the, like them, Spokane street preachers, organizations like that. Um, they're terrified. They're operating they from are, places. Yeah. Fears. Oh, the homosexual agenda. Like, ah, uh, hmm, okay. And I used to have one of pastor that's the used to call it. He did a, it was a, uh, revelation prophecy thing for the new year one year, but it was all about the homosexual agenda. Right. Yeah. That's uh, I've, I've, right. I've dealt with, I've dealt with some folks that believe that um, uh, the legalization of gay marriage federally and, and the legalization of marijuana in this state were the first two boxes that were checked in the uh, like, that's it. This is the decline of Western civilization and Jesus is coming back very soon because of yeah. those two things. And I, I, I laughed, uh, you know, I, I've talked about it on the show a few times. I am a habitual marijuana user. I have no shame in that. Uh, and I like, was like, well, Hey man, like I use marijuana and I really don't care if gays get married. And it's like, what? Like, how do you like, <laughs> wh- how do you not care about these gay people and what they're doing? It's like, I stop always default to the fact that like, well, if you look at it from the context of like, <laughs> these people are evil and not Christian, well, they're not following the same set of rules as we are. And so we're not supposed to be worried about it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, we, and whatsoever. Right. You know, and then it's like, well, okay, well, what are you going to do if a gay couple shows up here? I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to put them in the front like I'm, you're like you're supposed to do. Right. You take those people to the front of the church. Right. You know, the destitute, you know, whatever. However you want to look at that. Uh, there was another big, the other big push from a lot of people. It's like, God doesn't make mistakes. There's no way that homosexual people are hardwired that way. Uh, and I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with the fact that I in no way, shape, or form believe that homosexuality is a birth defect. But my son was born uh, with a, uh, he had like a, his oxygen depraved in the womb, Right. Is, so is that, is, did God make that mistake or say down syndrome or something like that? Like they, they're hardwired that way. Right. People with special needs are hardwired that way. Right. So how is that any different than someone that, you know, like, well, nobody's born homosexual. It's a lifestyle choice. Well, is it, well I think when, once we start saying what is natural, not natural, what God intended for creation, I think that's a major sin of arrogance and pride. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I definitely. Agree. Is it God's will agree. or is it your will? Yeah. Like, where are we at today? So, and, you know, a word that I circled here, Jennifer, um, you touched on it, especially when your son came out, was fear. Um, and and, and we can't we kind of keep coming back to that within the church as well, like, a lot of the anger and judgment that we see against uh, anyone coming out is is just out of fear. Um, what did you personally do with that fear? How did you reconcile that in your guys' life? Well, in all honesty, I think when we, we – I mean, I just call it as, you know, our, our son's, his soul, his light, it was just shutting down. 
and that light was just going out and I thought oh my gosh so does this make sense that to try and and I'm using you know quotation marks quote unquote save him he might actually lose his life his earthly life does that make any sense is that really what God wants and so then it's like that's not love. I know no. how much I love my son right. and I've been taught all my life that God loves us even more, even though I, I honestly, I can't fathom that, but it's like, that's what we're told, right? That how much God loves us. Right. So it's like, if he loves our son even more than we do, something's really wrong. Cause this isn't love. This is feeling like an abusive parent right now. Absolutely. <laughs> and honestly, I just, I, wasn't able to read the Bible anymore. And the only thing that I clung to was love. And I started imagining that love that I have for my son and trying to multiply that, even though it's, it's, you know, infinite and imagining God is even more. So it's like, no, it's like, I'm not better than God. I'm not. Mm -hmm. And that I think love that love and getting, I know we talk about love a lot and I almost feel like, especially in the church, it becomes very abstract. Now take how you feel about your significant other or your child or your parents and multiply that by a million if you can. And it's like, that's God. And so I really started um, clinging to that, that, that was my light was that love. And that's all I knew. And then from there, I was able to really work through things. And as I worked through things, because I still had to reconcile again, everything that I'd been taught for so many years, I had to reconcile that piece. But then when I did, that actually gave me the strength to do that because it is scary too. When you've been taught something your whole life and you're like, okay, if if that's not true, then what else isn't true that I've been taught? So there's an unraveling that happens and and it is scary. But, you know, I always think of the Bible where it says that there is no fear in love. Absolutely. And I didn't go into it with that with that perspective, but <laughs> going through it, I realized, no, there is no fear in love. So I guess to answer your question, it was just staying in that love of what I, uh, how I knew I felt for our son and how God felt, feels for us was, that's what helped me get through the fear. Uh, was that, so was your son coming out fairly recent then? No, seven years ago. Okay. All right. It's been a while. Yeah. I've had a lot of time to process. So. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great though. And, and, and do you mind me asking like that church that, and that pastor specifically that you guys went to, I mean, did you guys leave that church? Did you separate from them or? or we did. Yeah. 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 We left. We left because, um, one, well, the last sermon that we had gone to, I had, emailed the pastor a few questions and I basically had said, I kind of am left to having more questions than I have answers now, just based on these other things I'm reading. And so it was about a week later. I just remember it was the following Sunday. Um, He, in his sermon talked about the word idiot and it comes from the Greek word idios which means to rely on your own wisdom and knowledge and then (laughs) proceeded to talk about how there are those that um, people that take the Bible and they just stretch it. They put it on a rack, like one of those um, medieval torture devices and they stretch it as much as they can to have it fit 
what their narrative is or their lifestyle. He was very clearly talking to us. <laughs> right. So I was like, okay. That's great. We're done. You yeah. know, both my husband and I was like, okay, we're done. And, um, yeah. So, so we left and yeah, the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> nice. And, uh, but that's just an example too of how church, the church isn't safe. I mean, we were parents really seeking for advice, for help, but then, because we weren't, you know, at some point then completely in alignment because we started questioning, then, then that was the result. Right. And what, like exile, excommunication? No, no, not that, but just, um, you know, being used as an example from the pulpit without right. being named, of course. <laughs> right, That's yeah. crazy, man. That uh, Something similar <laughs> happened to us as well, like some uh, towards the end of our time there, like... Yeah, using us, at, like kind of dancing around it. These idiots. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this, Jennifer. What advice do you have for Christians um, or, par- you know, Christian parents specifically? Just so you know, to you, Jennifer, Christians don't listen to this podcast. So. That is true. Yeah, it's, it's mostly non-believers. Which <laughs> in, the, in, the rare, yeah, in the rare hope that somebody that's listening. That's, it's pretty you know, amazing. But. Well, and you know what, even if there aren't Christians that are listening, it's like, if this helps get inside, you know, at all the mind and the psyche of somebody who's really conservative, maybe that'll help too. For sure. (laughs) Because a lot of us come from the similar background, Jennifer, that you did, and we are fed a lot of garbage, um, like from man, and and, uh, during our walk, we have to really kind of purge a lot of it, and... um, kind of unlearn and just be able to uh, start from scratch. Um, so I think a lot of the times we're at a healthy point, um, as I can at least speak for myself, but um, when we start from scratch and we eliminate a lot of the garbage that has been um, injected into us, but what, uh, what, uh, well, I guess <laughs> uh, what advice would you have for parents if their um, son or daughter comes out um, and they say, and especially if they're church folks, like I, I, I've seen that happen and I've seen, um, parents disowning their kids. I've seen suicide. Um, yeah. What would you say to them? Well, I think the first thing that I would say, which I'm sure is hotly contested, but it's, it's true. Um, it's not a choice. This is how your child is hardwired. This is how God created your child. Um, and it took me a while to understand that, but listen to your child. And I know that's really hard because especially, you know, if you're, like I said, had all this theology inculcated in you, it's very shocking to hear that. And again, you go into that fear, but if you can just listen to your child, listen to them. And I think, I, I could probably write a book about all the things not to do. I mean, except for right. kicking our son out. We never kicked our son out. But aside from that, I mean, I, I said things to him. I, I ordered a workbook for him like, the day after. I mean, it was just ridiculous how I approached <laughs> the, it. The, the don't, I was the don't be gay this. workbook. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's just ridiculous. I laugh at my Now I can laugh at my That's my Ted Haggard, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It is Ted Haggard. That's yeah. my thought. Yeah. Yeah. He's like David. But I wasn't listening to him. 
because I felt like, no, I know, I know what's going on here. I was not listening. And that, I, it's, that's probably the biggest thing. Listen to your child, support your child. You will be on a journey as a parent. It will be painful, but don't put that on your child. Because like I've heard so many times, and I know that's true with our own son, our children, especially growing up in that Christian community, they're going through so much pain and shame and hiding a part of themselves for so long. And they're going through a grieving process, too, because it's like their whole life in childhood. It's like you watch cartoons and TV and toys and it's what, like Barbie and Ken. And it's all it's very heterosexual. Sure. So that's what you grow up seeing and knowing and learning. And then when you start getting to that you know, age of adolescence where you realize, oh, I'm not like my you know, peers. I'm, I'm different. I'm attracted to something different. Um, there's kind of a grieving process that goes on, too. And so there's a lot that's been going on. And so just be there, support your child. And if you need that, that help, external help, definitely seek counseling. Um, you know, find a good therapist that can understand that. Find, you know, there are parents out there um, that also are more than willing to connect and, and help, um, you know, help other parents on the journey because it is a journey. But don't put that on your child because your child has already been through enough. What they need is unconditional love and support. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, the way you're approaching it, Jennifer, uh, I have a vast admiration for it, but you got to admit. Oh, well, thank you. You're a... Uh, some very radical ideas Absolutely. <laughs> within the confines of the church, which uh, to me personally, like, and, and Chris will agree with this too. Like, this is kind of why this, this show exists. And this is why Chris do Chris and I do what we do is to challenge the convention. Right. Uh, right. That, it, that, that, you know, just to challenge the convention of hate, you know, like the dynamic of hate, hate in the Christian church is, 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 dyn- is a dynamic. It is something that's an archetype and it's been there for a very long time. Uh, and it's undue and it shouldn't be there. No, it is not Christ-like at all. No. Uh, and so, yeah, I have like a serious admiration for, for, for what you're doing to try and unite those communities because that's, that's a huge thing that's, uh, largely absent from, uh, you know, Christian. Well, it is because unfortunately even the community itself and parents, I know parents that don't want to share their story because they're afraid of retribution or retaliation. You know, there are some, even because of where they're employed. I mean, there's a lot of dynamics in all of this, but I would say I would take it one step further there. I think there are some Christians that hate, not all of them hate, but what mm-hmm. I see yeah. a lot of is also being lukewarm. Yeah. And, and I always think about that scripture that Jesus talks about people that are lukewarm, that he would, what do you say? I, spew them out of my mouth because that that lukewarm is a really dangerous place to be because when we see injustice and i don't mean that you have to you know be an advocate it's not that but sometimes fighting injustice is is about you know you're having coffee with somebody and they say something really derogatory about a group of people but you know (laughs) bringing them into conversation like how how can i turn this person around and maybe make them and you know help them lead them to allyship or, or, you know, give them some food for thought to help them change their mind. And I know yeah. that's difficult because it's like more often than not, they turn into arguments. But yeah. I think if we approach people with the right heart 
and wanting to hear their stories. Like, why do you feel that way? What makes you feel that way about that person? Just, uh, I think that can get us out of that lukewarm context where each yeah, one of yeah. us, I think, can, you know, can make it different. You know, and just real quick, you know, my son, uh, he's 15. Um, he just like all of a sudden he started coming home and saying stuff was gay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, like mm-hmm. uh, synonymous with the lesser, you Absolutely. know what I'm saying? Like that's right, gay. right. And, and we don't talk like that around the house. And I, and I come to find out that his Christian friends that he's hanging out with, you know, go to youth group, his dad's a pastor. Like that's how they talk around the house. So I had to, you know, have that hard talk with the dad and say, dude, we don't talk like that, yeah. you know, and yeah. have that hard talk with my son, you know, I was like, dude, that's not acceptable here. You know what I'm saying? Like there, why is that synonymous with the lesser? You know what I'm saying? Like it, I don't know. That is a, yeah. Unfortunate part of American lexicon yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And even just something like that, the fact that you sat your son down and explained it to him. I mean, those are all of those things make a difference. Absolutely. You know, and sometimes we think like, oh, that wasn't very big or what I said wasn't much. But again, it's a seed that's planted. And even if mm-hmm. we're talking to somebody at the time isn't receptive, if it's done, if it's done with good intention and kindness, you just don't know, like, at what point in their journey they're going to remember that conversation. And then things will start coming together. Yeah. That's, uh, it, it's a weird thing to do, too, to, like, try and internalize it, uh, when you hear it and it's like, well, you know what? I've heard that word or I've thought that way for yeah. a very, very long time. Yeah, right. And then, but never taken into consideration what someone else might be going through. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's a tough one. Well, thank you, Jennifer. Um, I think that's our time here, but, uh, I, okay, I well, thank you so much for having me. Sure. And, and if people want to find out more about wonderfully yeah. made, like, shameless plugs, go, uh, where yeah. do they go? Where can we send them? Yeah, so we have a website. It's wonderfully made NW for Northwest.com. Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure to put uh, some sort of link into uh, the episode description when we. Okay, yeah, awesome. Post and then we've too. got. We had some podcasts that we had started last year. We're officially on iTunes now, so you can find them there. Ooh, you can nice. also find them on our website. And then um, we're going to be picking up our podcast again about February and trying to be a little more regular. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having the hard talk with us, Jennifer. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right. Take care. Before we go, big thanks. Uh, What's really weird. It's not just weird that we have a space. We have like an engineer now. I know. It's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, And we're not paying him. So, sorry, Matt, but thanks for being here. Uh, thanks, you know. <laughs> thanks again for the the space. I, I'm still wanting like and sound effects board, you know. Like if we can know, work dude, on that, you know, wacky. Like, I need something that goes you know, whatever makes yeah. dumb noises. When it starts getting weird and uncomfortable, you know, just make fun, like a fart noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. I think uh, I think that's a that's a good segue. Yeah, that was good. I'm uh, I, I'm Bryce. I'm Chris. Thanks for listening. And, and wait, wait, a disclaimer. We'll throw it at the end. We we as always, we have no idea what we're talking about. No, so. no, none whatsoever. Although you brought notes today, which you're way more prepared. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Thanks uh, for listening. Take care of each other and uh, go Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs>